I think this is a message that we all need to hear. And it's not because I'm really good at it, but it's, his messages are always good. I preach in part. Someday I'll preach totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Terry said, I was going to uh, talk on, as the church calls it, the gifts of the Spirit. I changed that. I'm going to talk on the gifts from the Spirit, not of the Spirit. You know, we're getting into the uh, Christmas season, and we try to make our list of everything we want to do for friends and family, and what would they like, and how can I please them? How can I show my love to them? And I tell you, there is no gift that you can buy to give to your family to really show your love because you don't even understand what love is. And you just try to put it out there. But the biggest thing about the Christmas season, it's, it's always fun to watch when, you know, last year I think we had 18 people sitting in a, a room that could hold 10. <laughs> and uh, Patty's mom was there. She passed away in January last of this year. And looking at all the gifts and and with 18 people there, it was you open one gift and we'll all watch you. Well, when you have a grandmother, my wife, who buys extraordinarily large amounts of gifts for the grandkids, and you've got eight grandkids sitting there, and you all go, okay, let's watch Ellie open a gift. And sometimes it's very awkward, is the best word, to watch people receive gifts. Because sometimes it's not the gift they wanted. But a lot of times, people don't know how to receive the gift. You see, a gift is a thing given willingly to someone without payment. And how many times have and we've all done this, we've been given something, a gift, and we go, oh, you shouldn't have. Oh, what can I do for you? And we feel obligated to give back. We feel obligated to do. Where grace is the free and unmerited favor of God, you can say gift is the free and unmerited gift from God. And we still struggle with his grace. Oh, what can I do for you, Father? You know, oh, I, I don't deserve this gift. And we never fully embrace the gift that he has given us. And the greatest gift is his grace and his love. Because his love is who he is, and that's what I will speak on next week. But we do not accept gifts properly. For some reason, we just 
can't do it. We, we try to put emphasis on it. We, we see the person sitting next to us getting something we want, and we just think it's not fair. <laughs> now, we as adults have learned to handle that in a different manner other than children, but inside we're still children, and we still fuss. I learned a long time ago, it just don't buy my wife anything because she doesn't like what I buy her, so I just say, here, take the credit card and get what you want. I, as an adult, got tired of having every one of my gifts taken back. Wrong color, wrong size, wrong thing. Why'd you do that? I'll never use that. Okay. It really makes it easy. The only gift I can give her now is buttercreams. <laughs> Well, she just finished a two-pound box of buttercreams because our anniversary was last month. But children don't see it the same way we do. You see, I, Avia, my granddaughter, gave Grandpa a gift. Extravagant, isn't it? It's a picture of a ladybug, and it says, To, supposed to be Greg, from Avia, I love you. That's on the refrigerator door. That is a gift. Easy to accept. But what does the gift point to? Does it point to Greg being the great-grandfather he is? No. It just points to Avia's love to me. The same as the Father's gift to you just doesn't point to you. It doesn't exalt you. It points back to the Father who says, I just love you, and I give you a gift. This is so simple. But we struggle with receiving the gifts. And we struggle with, how much did I spend on Bobby as compared to Billy or Mary to Sue? We have to keep it fair. Why? My dad always bought us the same thing. My brother got a bike, I got a bike, the exact same bike. You know, the only time I didn't get, my brother didn't get something I got is I got a baseball glove. And my brother was mad because my dad got him nothing. But I played baseball a lot. So we have never handled not only gift-giving, because we do it out of selfish motivation, but gift-receiving. And we've carried it on into the world of religion and made things doctrines. So a gift is a thing given willingly to someone without payment, and grace is a free and unmerited favor of God, so I, I consider them both the same thing. Now Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians. And you've got to realize what Paul was dealing with when he was talking to the Corinthians. You know, first of all, the, it was a Greek nation. They prided themselves on their thought and their wisdom and their great process of working things out in their minds, of eating from the tree of good and evil, which is another message. 
At that time, there was probably about 250,000 free people living in Corinth. And there was about 400,000 slaves living in Corinth. It was a trade route. It was people passing through all the time, caravans, ships coming into port. It was a busy place. They prided themselves on being wise and cultured, sort of like we do now of ourselves. It's funny how wisdom has to bow to culture, as it does so many times today. There was a temple there in, in town, a temple to Asclepius. He was the god of healing. They had their own temple built to their own god of healing, and, and Paul's trying to bring the, the teaching of Christ into this, this place. There was also the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. In that temple, you had uh, up to 2,000 prostitutes working to keep the congregation of the temple up, I guess. But Paul had to deal with that, with the, prob the problem of prostitution, because the culture, the wise culture, prostitution was okay. There was, no, there was no sanctity of anything. It was basically do as you wanted to do. And, and Paul was in this situation, and he had planted this church, and he comes back, and he goes, and, you know, 1 Corinthians is just, guys, what have you been doing? Why are you doing this? And he goes into a, a, num a number of things, trying to bring the church back from its backsliding ways and the, and the way they have been doing things. And one of the areas he, he, he really, and I will get to the gifts, but I, wa I, wanna, I wanna set this up. There's just reading through this through several different versions of 1 Corinthians 11, 12, and 13, it just, just blows you away. See, they, they practiced the Lord's Supper. And some people came drunk. Some people came hungry and ate all the bread like it was Thanksgiving afternoon and it was time to get yours before somebody else got theirs. The wine meant for representing the blood of Christ was guzzled down and people got drunk. Some people didn't able to get anything. So he said, set this apart as, as, as one of his teachings is you're not doing this the right way. And I just got fascinated by reading this because he said, you're just not doing this the right way because his idea was Paul's view of mankind was that Jesus died, all died, and therefore no longer knew people from a human point of view. He did not look at people from a human point of view. He looked at people through Christ. And then Paul said, there is no longer free or slave, male or female, Greek or Jew, 
All had died in Christ, and all were one in Him. And it was, it was funny because as I was reading through the mirror, and I don't know how many of you have read through the mirror or, or looked through the, the gentleman that compiled the mirror in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, when he's talking about this just before the Lord's Supper, won't talk about verses 4 through 17 where the wife is submissive to the husband, where she better cover her head when she prays or she disgraces the husband. And he, and he speaks, and I, and I found this really fascinating because he speaks to why he does not add this, these verses in. He says, I had no peace to teach this because it's not Paul. His feeling is that somewhere along the line, one of the fathers of the church thought, well, we better add this because we've got to put the social, cultural stigma back into Paul's teaching. Because Paul taught there is no male or female. Then how can you have a female have to cover her head and submit to her husband? It doesn't make sense. So he, do, he doesn't teach on it and he tell, he does tell a funny story because he, he is from South Africa. And uh, my son-in-law, Chad, who's been in Africa with his family and, you know, ran into this all the time. They were, his kids were in a, in a church one time and his son was, was preaching and his wife was sitting there and didn't have a covering on her head. So one of the church mothers brought her a napkin to put on our head. And they thought it was really, really funny because that is showing submission and you know, humility. But all the African women were sitting there topless with their breasts hanging out, feeding their babies. <laughs> and Chad said that took him a while to get used to that. Chad, when he was over there, because it's the culture. So tell me, why does covering your head change things? That's, you know, it's just funny. It's just the way people try to generalize things. But Paul, in his view of the Lord's Supper, we have been, we're in joint inclusion with his death. And we are confirmed, redeemed in his in innocence. When the Lord did the, and this is just my mind as I, as I work through the gifts the Lord gave me, let's put it that way. The Lord, when he had the, the supper with his disciples, said, I will not drink of this drink again until I drink with you in the, when the kingdom comes. You know, the church has put that off way into Revelation. And, you know, so much of this is what we feel the Lord has given us, but I see him sitting down after his resurrection and eating fish and drinking wine with the disciples. The kingdom had come. The kingdom is now. 
It's not something we have to wait for. And you take the the bread as, as he broke it and said, this is my body broken. And in that he's saying, I'm, I'm going to, my body's going to be broken, but I am drawing you in with me. And your body will be broken and you will go to the cross with me and you will die with me, but you will be resurrected with me and you will be in my kingdom with me and my father. That happened 2,000 years ago. It is not an event we're waiting for. Because there's, there's the instance in the, in the temple, there was a table and it had bread, fresh bread put on it every day called showbread, which means face-to-face. It was face-to-face bread. And Jesus took that bread and broke it. Face-to-face with me. But you remember on the road to Emmaus, when the two burned with in their spirits, but they did not recognize Jesus? When did they recognize Jesus? When Jesus took the bread face to face and broke it. This is me. That's when they saw him. Don't know why I shared all that, but it I just it excites me to read through this stuff and go. Man, the kingdom of God. Well, they preached before Jesus was crucified. The kingdom of God is at hand. Why are we waiting 2,000 years to enjoy the kingdom of God? We have been confirmed in his death and resurrection of being totally united with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And these gifts come from the Holy Spirit. I want to start off by reading in the mirror, not in Corinthians, but Ephesians. Ephesians 4, and it's part of what Terry talked about last week. And and I'll just read it out of uh, the mirror for you. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And you'll recognize these verses because it's very familiar. We're talking about positions in, in the body of Christ. But they're gifts. It starts at verse 11. What God has in us is gift-wrapped to the world. Some are commissioned to pioneer. Others are gifted prophetically some as announcers of good news, some as shepherds with a real gift to care and nurture, and others with a gift to ignite and instruct through revelation and knowledge. Each expression of his gift is to fully equip and enable the saints for the work of the ministry so that they may mutually contribute in specific function and give definition to the visible body of Christ. The purpose of these ministries is to present everyone on par and in oneness of faith, believing exactly what the Son of God believes and knowing accurately what he knows concerning us, standing face to face in equal stature to the measure of the completeness of Christ. 
And then the first, right there at the 14, I want to add this. This is the most dangerous life you can live is an ignorant one. See, here he's talking about prophets, or apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. And one thing I got is, as I was studying this, or reading through this, because these gifts are, these are gifts, they are given to the church to fully equip and the saints, but these are gifts and not titles. They explain what a gift a person moves in within the body. The gift does not compete with each, the gifts don't compete with each other, they complement each other. But we have taken these gifts and we have exalted them as titles among men. See, there's we all have these gifts to certain measures. But he gives this the Holy Spirit because some are rule pioneers and some are evangelists and some are teachers and some are, you know, pastors. But we have put them in positions higher over each other, and they should not be. It is just how they move within the body. Like when Ed comes, he moves prophetically within the body. When Terry teaches as, as pastor, or ministers as a pastor, it's his gift. It's not who he is, it's his gift. It is what the Holy Spirit has given him. And we have, we have gone to the point of exalting these things to, you know, <laughs> the prophet's in the house. The apostle is coming down. I wonder what he has seen in heaven. And that's not right. We are all in the family. We are all equal. We are, we are all in Christ. We all live in the kingdom. Just because Ed moves prophetically as a gift given to him more than we do doesn't make him any different. You guys that have been with Ed know he's no different. <laughs> Just because Terry is a, a very good pastor and has a heart for people doesn't make him any greater than anybody else within the church. Yes, he's gifted, but that's not who he is. He's Terry. We have taken these gifts and we have, we have elevated them to a position where, my goodness, if, if you don't have it, you're, you're nobody. And if you have it, we're going to have a special offering for you. <laughs> and I don't minimize the, the gifts that, that God gave. Evangelists who can excite people to move and, and do things in Christ. But not only these, all these gifts from the Holy Spirit, you've got to remember that the Holy Spirit draws and points us to Christ. Nobody else. The gift of prophecy does not point us to Ed. And we have to be careful about that. We honor him, but he's no different than the rest of us in the body. God works all gifts and men for the common good. 
all gifts. Now, as you go through 1 Corinthians, you'll see there's a listening of gifts, and I'll go through them quickly. First is a word of wisdom. There are people who have understanding where all of a sudden the light bulb goes off in their head and they go, huh, how about that? And everybody goes, boy, you're wise. Or you have so much common sense. No, God has given to some wisdom. Solomon had a gift of wisdom. Blew people away around him how wise he was. But that was a gift. There's the gift, the word of knowledge. And that's to know something that you shouldn't have known. In the normal, in the natural. And sometimes we get carried away with these, with these gifts. And I've, I've got to admit, it, it's fun. It's fun walking in these gifts. Couple instances, I I remember one Terry and I had early in the in the healing rooms, and I had this lady come in and sit down, and uh, I said I had to come get you. I said you stink of fear. I said what are you fearing? And she started crying, and I went through ministering to her, and Terry says, you know, we get back in a separate room, and Terry goes, well, how'd that go? And I said, went oh, really well. I, I had this. I told her she stank of fear, and we dealt with fear. He says, yeah. He said I had her earlier, and I, I told her, you know, what are you afraid of? And she said she wouldn't take the cookie cutter ministry that he was offering. And Terry even then held back some of his anger, and <laughs> and said. I'm going to put you back out in the crowd, and the next person that comes to you, if they talk about fear, you better listen. Well, that was a word of knowledge. I didn't know it. Terry didn't know what it was, but we both had this word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. And it's fun to take the gifts and open them up that the Father has given you. Play with them isn't the right word, but utilize Utilize the gifts that he has given you. It, 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 is, it is great to prophesy over people. It is, I remember real early, and I, I can't remember her name, but her daughter, you know, early in the healing rooms, and I looked at her one time, and I, I asked her who this man was, this boy, and I gave his name. And she just stared at me. She goes, he's been contacting me through the Internet, wants to meet with me. And I said, don't do it. You know, that's nothing I knew. But boy, that's fun to do. <laughs> Sometimes it isn't fun to do. I had one time, I, you know, the Lord said this is a woman caught in adultery. And I went in, in circumstances, I went to her and I asked, how many times have you been unfaithful to your husband? And she broke and said twice. And that's not the pleasure I had out of it, but the Lord had something he was working in her to give me that information to talk to her. And I did not do it in a crowd, and I didn't do it in front of a bunch of people, but have to handle that. Some people have a great gift of faith. I've, I've grown in my faith. I've grown in the understanding of my faith. And I've learned that faith isn't something I whip up by listening to great worship music 
the great speakers. My faith is whipped up by resting in my Father's promises. See, if all his promises are yes and amen, I don't have to worry about anything. And that is, that is hard to do. It is not the right thing to say to a lot of people that, but never tell anybody they need more faith. We have all been given the measure of faith, and that is Jesus Christ. If he lives in us and if we are his temple, we have his faith. Then there's the gift of healing. And boy, has this one been messed up in the church. Because not the gift of healing or the one that gives the healing, and not that the, the ones that moved in these gifts always pointed to themselves. Some of them did. Fundraising. And they weren't perfect people. But being not perfect people, but having the gift of healing and moving and, and seeing miraculous healings. Cancers falling off. Eyes opened up. Hearing. Ears opened up. Limbs growing out. That is a true gift. Some people move it more than others. But that doesn't mean you don't have it. If you're not drawing 50,000 people and them getting out of the wheelchair, you're to the person who's hurting and has a headache or back pains and just laying your hands on them and saying, it's a, your promise, you can receive it. Receive it in Jesus' name. That, that's it. That is, a, that is a gift to be able to do that. That is such a gift to be able to do that. But some people work in that, and that, along with that goes the working of miracles. I've read about miracles. I, have, I see things that I think are miracles. I think of uh, my hip being broken. <laughs> I look at that as a miracle. Because I walked around on a broken hip and nothing happened. I see Terry's eye being healed. Is it the way I would, I would process it? If I was God? <laughs> you know. But I don't know what God's doing in Terry. You know, I don't know what God's doing in Carol. I just know he is faithful. And I can let it go there. That's all I have to do. Prophecy. Oh, the prophesy over someone. Get the offering basket out. We have exalted the gift of prophecy. You should all prophesy. You don't prophesy because you've gone to a great seminary. You don't prophesy because you've been around for years. You prophesy because Christ, the Father, and the Holy Spirit dwell inside of you. You know all things. Get the soul out of the way and let the Spirit move. See, sometimes we struggle with getting out of the way. Getting out of the way and saying, I'm not worthy of this gift. I don't want to touch it. 
And we do that with all the gifts. We, des we decide Jesus says you are totally worthy and we go, uh-uh, you got that wrong. I know I'm not worthy. You don't know what I did. What a, what a stupid statement. I mean, if you think sometimes what we say back to God, you know, and he goes, uh? <laughs> Discerning of spirits. That's an important one. See, even the devil can disguise him as, as a, himself as an angel. But when the Holy Spirit is in you and, and says, that's not of God, and it doesn't matter what it looks like, that is not of God. The whole church can be dancing around and getting excited about it. But the courtrooms of heaven are not of God. Discerning of spirits. And you have to decide then which spirit are you going to follow. See, even the church makes some things look really good because it draws people in. Different kinds of tongues. In Corinthians, Paul is talking here not about your prayer language. He is talking about speaking in other natural languages so that person can be reached or that group of people can be reached. And I've heard lots of testimonies where somebody sits and gives a word in Mandarin Chinese and never has spoken Mandarin Chinese and gives this word and there's somebody over on the side who's from China and that word was for them. That's tongue. There's also people that have the interpretation of tongues who, if you somebody would speak in Mandarin Chinese and I've never heard it before, but I know what you're saying. That's another gift. We don't move in these gifts because we feel we're not worthy of accepting them. That we're not worthy of carrying them. Well, I tell you, you may feel you're not worthy of carrying them, but you carry them because Christ lives in you. You died at the cross, you were resurrected with him, and you are seated with him in heavenly realms. And that is where you move, and that is where the Holy Spirit takes these gifts and says, now use this one. Now use this one. And the trouble is we... We lay hands on somebody and is healed and we want to all of a sudden put ourselves on the internet and put our ministry on the internet. Come and see, I can heal. Or we have a word for somebody and it turns out to be true, a prophetic word, and it resonates and we go, well, obviously I'm a prophet. I'm going to quit my job and I'm, I'm going on the road. I'm going to be a prophet. It happens all the time. People start exalting themselves instead of exalting the one who gives the gifts. So even with this little bug picture that my granddaughter gave me, how many of you have one of these? I have one of these. No. What I have is a granddaughter who loves me. In the reverse going, 
I have the gifts of healing. You don't have the gifts of healing. It's not that. He says, no, I have a God who gives me that gift of healing. That is the way the gifts work. And to exalt one above the other is, is totally wrong. All gifts are inspired by the same people who individually work in every person he desires. By the same spirit, and the spirit works in how he desires. We are all one body and one spirit. An individual does not define the body. An individual does not define the body. It is not my vision you will follow. I do not define this body. The Father defines this body and tells us who we are. A specific gift does not define the person. Christ defines the person. Who are you in Christ? I am his son who he loves and he is well pleased with. End of it. If the Holy Spirit, who has all the gifts in him and all the gifts in Jesus and all the gifts in the Father resides in me, then I have all gifts. When the Spirit chooses to release those in me, for whatever the Spirit wants to do, that is his pleasure. It does not exalt me above anybody in any congregation or any church or anything. I do not get the front row because I am the bishop. Okay? Because you've got to understand, the, the, the bishop is really a joke. They got thrown on me because I tend to open my mouth too much. Christ defines me. I am Greg, a son of God, who knows he fantastically loves me and cares for me. I do not take a position in the church any higher than anybody else. And Paul goes in Corinthians talking about describing the, the church as, as a body and you know saying, does the, does the eye have precedence over the foot? Ask Terry. When his eye went bad, his whole body went bad. When Greg fell and broke his hip, all the functions messed up. Standing, walking, everything. The body relies on each part, and there's not one above the other. And it, it doesn't matter how, how good they look or how they're revered, you know. The eye isn't, isn't the big thing. Can't you see somebody with just on their head just that big eye, you know, that looks at you? <laughs> a cyclops, yeah. Oh, there's the seeing eye. <laughs> Don't let him look at him. In the body of Christ, and all these gifts are important, and all of them are wonderful, and they're all great to move in, but I think as a church, we have exalted the gifts so high that we have forgotten who gives the gifts. 
and ministers the gifts through us. Christ living as us, or us living as Christ. I remember the disciples when when they went out and Jesus breathed on them and, and gave them gifts, and they came coming back and they jumped up and down with great excitement and joy. You know, even the demons, you know, bowed to us, and we saw all kinds of things. Okay, what did Jesus say? Remember that you are in the kingdom of heaven. Your name is written in the kingdom of heaven. It's not, it's not the gifts. It's not the moving of gifts. It is just the Father's pleasure to give these gifts to you. And I guess what I want you to really understand is you need to understand how to just receive. Receive. Because I know we all struggle with receiving. I looked in my life for the longest time. Who would any, why would anybody ever love me? Truly. I went through the first 20-some years of my life. How could anybody love me? I don't worry about that anymore. See, I don't worry about if anybody in this world loves me. I know my father loves me. Sometimes I think that's why I'm emotional when I talk about the Father's love. See, the other day I was flying home and I had that Say Yes album and I'm listening. The song says, I've never known a love like yours. And I'm sitting there with my earbuds on, you know, and people passing out, you know, snacks and stuff, and I'm trying to hold back, just... <laughs> See, I can call on him anytime because of his great love. I can move in any gift he has because of his great love. All this stuff points back to, Father, you have completed all things. Your kingdom has come. Jesus does, does walk in this now. The blood and the bread for the communion have been given us so we would remember it's already finished. The showbread was broken in your face so you can see that I am one with you. It has been completed. It is not something we need to strive for. It is not something we need to, to do. It's nothing we need to send, you know, $100 for 100 months to, to receive a hundredfold blessing. When we take communion, it is not the time to sit down and reflect on your shortcomings. That is not the purpose of communion. It is a time to reflect on the kingdom of God is in you. I am in your face. Jesus says, I am in your face and I am in your body. You have joined me and I have done this for you and I have taken you through a process. Rejoice when you take communion. Rejoice when you think of his love for you. Rejoice when you get to 
work in the gifts from the Spirit because they are just gifts from Him. And you need to learn to understand just to receive. We struggle with it because we still struggle with our identity in Him. When we get our identity in Him down, solid, it doesn't matter who says anything about me. At times I still take the bait. At times I still get angry. But it's not because of who he is. It's because I haven't totally come to the place I still see through a glass darkly. But it doesn't mean that glass has to define who I am. The veil has been removed. So what you need to do is just learn to accept these gifts. Don't exalt the person who may move in one more than you. Don't be overwhelmed when God says, I need you to talk to somebody. And I'll give you the words when you get there. He is faithful. He is always faithful. Next week I'm going to talk about a more excellent gift. I'm going to talk about chapter 13. And I think the churches screwed that one up too. <laughs>